Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Uh, we're going to bring in General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman, Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, and, bless him, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. I was in the room when he got it. Uh, general Keane, good morning, sir. Thank you very much for coming on, as always. And, boy, gee, am I confused between minor incursions and then all these diplomatic meetings... And then Secretary of State Blinken is now going to communicate in writing with Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov over Russia's intentions and our response. And meanwhile, we're back on our heels, General. We're, once again, we are reacting to Russia. They, they seem to have the whip hand. I don't get this. I'm as confused as ever, and it looks like an invasion is imminent. So please help me. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, with 100,000 plus troops outside of Ukraine, uh, on amphibious ships in the Black Sea, uh, north of the of eastern Ukraine in the Donbass region, with large concentration of forces in the tri-border area, which is Belarus, uh, Russia, and Ukraine, where they come together north of the capital city of Ukraine another major concentration, and now just recently uh, moving in by train to Belarus, uh, another large segment of troops from uh, as far east as Siberia. Uh, so there, there's four major Russian troop locations around Ukraine, and obviously they are preparing uh, for some kind of invasion, not a minor incursion, mm. which is the term the president used, and certainly, I mean, that was a an irresponsible uh, description, you know, of what we're facing. And and even though he walked it back, uh, Larry, I still have concerns about it because the way he said it, it was so conversational and it was so instinctive for him. It, it was like it, it, he was repeating something that he has been discussing, you know, with his national security and foreign policy team, something you have been a part of yourself in so many discussions uh, in the White House with a president of the United States. And he was reflecting that discussion, in my judgment. So what does that mean? Well, it, it puts doubt in the mind of uh, Putin about our, our sincerity, mm. uh, you know, about the tough sanctions. And it also does the same thing for allies. So here, here's the issue. The, the United States has made a decision that we're not going to do anything preemptively before an invasion to discourage the Russians from conducting that invasion, other than to say rhetorically, this is what we would do if you invade. Mm -hmm. And so no preemptive actions. And what could they be? Significant arms delivery of major weapon systems that would truly help the Ukrainians. They have a list. And we're only we 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 are only contributing a minor a contribution to that list. Uh, we're giving them small arms weapons. We're giving them anti-tank weapons. They want anti-aircraft weapons. 
They want anti-ship weapons. They want some mortars. They want some artillery. They want significant capability. We should have been given this capability to them for, for, for some time. We also could have moved NATO forces into the countries that are bordering the area of this potential conflict, particularly Poland, Romania, etc., and to send a signal to Putin and look at we're not going to stand by here. You're not going to intimidate and put pressure on NATO as a result of a military incursion into Ukraine. So we've taken none of those preemptive actions. And certainly putting troops into Ukraine is something that three presidents, Obama, Trump, and now Biden, have all looked at. And because it's not a NATO country, they have made the decision that we're not going to go to war over Ukraine. We would over a NATO country, but uh, Ukraine is not aligned. And there's been no preparation of the American people certainly to go to war over Ukraine or, to, or, or the Congress. So that has never, never been a, an issue, for, you know, for three presidents. But, yes, we are in a weakened position uh, as a result of the strategy that we have elected to use. And the second thing is we're relying on tough sanctions, economic sanctions, and also some military action, increased aid, hopefully along the lines I was talking about. This is if the invasion occurs, and what are we going to do then? The, but here's the problem with the economic sanctions. We don't have unanimity with the Europeans on this. You know, the German new chancellor who took uh, Angela Merkel's place, Schultz, is, is sending mess, mixed signals on whether he would not activate Nord Stream 2, which has now been constructed and would provide uh, the natural gas outlet from Russia into, uh, into Germany and, and throughout Europe. And also, they can't seem to agree on what the tough economic sanctions would be, whether we take the Russia out of the SWIFT, which is the international right. financial messaging system, right. whether we target Putin personally, uh, whether we go after Russian banks. There's not unanimity on that. And certainly, Larry, the Russians know this. They're watching what's going on uh, with the Europeans and, and the United States, that we don't have that kind of firm consensus that we want to have. So, yeah, that's a weak hand. And that is the only hand we're playing because we gave up on taking any preemptive action, you know, before the the invasion. You know, uh, General, there's... I was talking yesterday at some length with my friend Steve Mnuchin, former Treasury Secretary, when I was at NEC. Um, about 90% of the world's financial transactions are denominated in dollars. It's a dollar-based system. You mentioned SWIFT. SWIFT is the global clearing arrangement. Now, it's not that hard. We did it with Iran and we've done it elsewhere, uh, you slap the sanctions on the Russian central bank, and then you slap secondary sanctions on the larger Russian banks. There's no really big major Russian banks compared to Western banks, but that's what you do. And you lock them out of the dollar-based financial system. Now, that they can do some business with China, but you're talking about very limited transactions there, very, very limited. We could do that. We can do that unilaterally. It would be nice to have our NATO friends come with us, but the NATO banks will come with us. We will force them to do so because the dollar is the world's reserve currency and we're the dominant banking system. So all I'm saying is 
this is not hard. It is very, very feasible. We know how to do it. I know that Yellen at the Treasury is looking at it and negotiating with our so-called NATO partners. And, of course, the other thing we could do, General, as you well know, is is sanction the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which, for reasons that elude me, uh, the Cruz Amendment got 55 votes uh, to restore those sanctions, which initially were a gift to Putin to take them off. Um, but the Biden White House opposed it. So you needed 60 votes to win. So I'm just saying, not only are we reacting to Putin, we're actually actively opposing measures uh, that would uh, preempt them to stop any invasion. Yeah, and, and, and that's all been very, very frustrating, certainly, uh, to watch that. The other concern that I have uh, dealing with, with the sanctions is obviously Europe is, is very dependent on energy sources coming out of Russia. And as we impose sanctions, this is let's assume we have the invasion uh, and now we're imposing sanctions. And the Europeans, we want them to be with us, obviously, on this. But as those as the sanctions on Russia uh, begin to impact their economy and begin to impact their energy sources, my concern is they'll get weak need once again here. Mm. Uh, and mm. that is the, that is the the problem this is a this is really a moment for nato uh and in the alliance because their dna should be to counter russians aggression and expansion it's very much similar to the same mission that we had during the cold war but by then in, in those days certainly we had complete unanimity we had hundreds of thousands of forces uh, facing each other across a common border between the soviet union and and eastern europe uh, but the the european leadership that we're dealing with today is completely different than the European leadership we were dealing with during during the Cold War. And it manifests itself even now when we have a major threat from Russia in terms of its potential expansion that will undermine the security of, of Europe itself. And we, we, we're struggling to get the kind of unanimity that we should have out of this political and military alliance. I, I just hope that this is a major wake-up call for these NATO European leaders. Uh, the Eastern NATO European leaders are all with us on this. It, it's the Western European leaders, and particularly France and Germany, that are really the problem here. General, could you walk through once more? The Russian troop movements have gone where? Yeah, well, there's, the Russian troop movements are in four places. The, the most significant number of Russian troops are north of eastern Ukraine, the so-called Donbass region, right. which borders right up against the Black Sea. So north of the, of the Ukraine-Russian border is the largest concentration of Russian troops. They have all come out of what they refer to as their southern military district. Mm -hmm. And they are full up contained to be able to move into that region, uh, the Donbass region, and sustain themselves. Uh, the Institute for the Study of War that I'm associated with, we've looked at it in detail, and they have all the representation that they need to be able to conduct a limited invasion in, um, into the eastern sector. There's also uh, ships in the Black Sea and amphibious ship capability that they can put Russian troops on and approach eastern uh, Ukraine from the sea, not just from, uh, mm -hmm. from the north. And then north of the capital city of of Ukraine um, on the border there, 
I refer to as the tri-border area, Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine, is another concentration of forces. And, and, and they have come from the Western Military District. And, and they're there, obviously, that is the, that, if you're going to move into the capital city, this is the fastest way to do it. Hmm. And then further to the west, in Belarus, is where the, the additional forces are coming as we speak. In theory, to begin an exercise in the second week of February is, is the advertisement. The fact is they're being put there either to intimidate and threaten or to participate uh, in an invasion. When I look at this from a military general's perspective, one of the clever things the Russians could do is bring those forces in from Belarus and show them coming across the border so that the Ukrainians would have to pull some forces that they have in the east and pull them back towards that to blunt that advance. And meanwhile, it's only a feint. They have no desire to go very far. But Mm. once those forces are reversed and start to come towards them, then begin the invasion into the Donbass region north of the Ukrainian border, and there would be less Ukrainians to defend against them. So there's plenty of options that our friend Putin has here. Um, There are some, you referred to it, there are some diplomatic moves still being made. I mean, so after the Lavrov Blinken meeting on yesterday on Friday, they've decided to talk some more. The Russians have put their proposals in writing, and the United States to date has not. As you mentioned in the introduction, Blinken has has uh, committed to put the, our response in writing and go back to him. There are some things that we can talk about, Larry. We're not going to discuss um, Ukraine never being permitted to go into NATO, which is a Russian position. We're not going to agree that we would pull out uh, which what Putin wants, which is quite preposterous, NATO forces out of the Eastern European NATO countries that have joined NATO since the collapse of the Soviet Union. We're not going to do that. That would be the dismantling of NATO. But there are a couple of other things. Russia has concerns about offensive missiles being placed in Eastern Europe and because of the proximity of those missiles to Moscow. And as an example, one of the concerns about Ukraine, so our audience understands, when Putin gets exercised about Russia's security situation, the Ukraine border on Russia is 300 miles from Moscow. And we obviously have numerous weapon systems that could range and cover those 300 miles uh, quite, quite quickly. So that's one of the concerns he has. We can discuss offensive missiles that we have on our side of the border and they have on theirs. They, we can also discuss, and the Russians want to do this, military exercises. Well, let's, let's talk about it. We have these large-scale military exercises. If we can reduce the, the frequency and, the, and the, the number of those exercises to accommodate uh, security concerns, that's a negotiable item. So there are things that we can talk about. But undermining NATO and, and denying further expansion of NATO, uh, I would hope the Biden administration would never make a concession like that. That, that would be the dismantling of NATO if we ever did make a concession like that. You know, I spoke uh, yesterday on the, on the Fox Business Show with Senator Roger Wicker, who was part of the group of 
the bipartisan group of senators that just came back from a visit to Ukraine. And he was very clear that uh, Kiev expects an invasion. Okay, they expect an invasion. Now, what interests me interests me with your military lineup is that it it it's not just the Donbass eastern region that the the troop the Russian troop movement could come right toward and into Kiev. Is that is that your implication? That's yeah, that's correct. Which that's is really not that has not received. That has not received enough visibility or publicity, so to speak. Now, why, the reason for that, and, and because most analysts, while Putin has many options, it's only one of those options is what you're describing, is an all-out invasion to conduct a regime change, mm-hmm. uh, which is something, the reason why we're here is because of Putin's frustration with this regime who is looking to the West, looking to economic integration with the EU, looking for political and military alliance uh, with NATO. And look at the people of Ukraine. They were in the streets in 2014 by the hundreds of thousands and ran out Yanukovych, who was Putin's stooge, who was running the country. Why did that happen? It happened because they don't want to be associated with Russia. They're on the border of Russia. They know what the quality of life experiences like in Russia. They want Mm -hmm. the quality of life experiences like in Europe and in the United States, and they are privy to that, certainly. They're very intimately familiar with the quality of life we have. That's what they want, and that is what this is really all all about. But uh, that option, the all-out regime change option, most of us analysts look at that and say, well, that is possible. It's not likely. Hmm. And the reason why it's not likely because then he owns the entire country. He has to occupy it. And Ukrainians will fight him tooth and nail in a protracted war that would last as long as it takes for them to get the Russian troops out of Ukraine. And Putin knows that. He's got Afghanistan in his rearview mirror where they went in there for nine to ten years and eventually had to leave because of the accumulation of casualties and the loss of political will by the Russian people for that. That would happen here. So I don't think, while he's threatening that and he's using it as leverage, and that's what he's got those troops there for, it's only possible for him to do it, but I don't think it's likely for him to do it. Going into the Donbass region is much more likely. General, let me. Uh, we're on a new time schedule because we've gone syndicated. I, I just need to, if you could stay with me. I got a quick break, and then I got to come back. We got four or five more minutes to go. If you could just have some patience with us, we're working out the kinks, folks. We're talking to General Jack Keane, uh, retired four-star general and now chairman of the Institute for the Study of War and Fox uh, strategic analyst. I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back with this uh, Russian-Ukraine story, which unfortunately looks worse and worse. Please stay right here with us. Uh, Welcome back, folks. We're talking to General Jack Keane, retired four-star chairman, Institute of Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst, and of course, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. Uh, General, thank you for your patience. We just got a couple of minutes. We're working out the kinks of our new national syndication once upon a time, I had 185 stations. Anyway, we're getting back to that. Um, General, your best guess here. I mean, you mentioned the second week of February, I think, for uh, Russian military exercises. Um, this thing's got to play itself out at some point. There's got to be an end game here. 
yeah, um, either there's going to be a diplomatic breakthrough and there's an agreement uh, um, between the United States principally and, and Russia, and Russia uh, de-escalates its troops, uh, probably not uh, immediately, but over a period of time because uh, Soviet Putin doesn't want to lose any face, or the, the obvious, you know, what uh, what the senators were, uh, were telling you uh, and your audience uh, based on uh, what they learned in talking to the uh, Ukraine mm. officials. Yeah. That is it, uh, an invasion is a limited invasion of some um, some type is is likely uh, what what Putin's frustration is. And when we have talked about it many times is NATO's expansion at the expense of what he perceives to be Russia's security. Mm. They they really welcome the buffer that Eastern European nations aligned with the former Soviet Union provided to them. And that has really frustrated him from a, a security perspective. And, and and certainly Ukraine becoming, and this isn't discussed very much, Ukraine becoming a flourishing, thriving, capitalistic, democratic system on the border of Russia, the, the second largest country in, in Europe, and thriving as an example to the Russian people. That is something that really intimidates him wow. so this this is what he is about here and it's, it's a great point protect, it's about him protecting russia and his system and his dictatorship mm-hmm. all right we'll leave it there that's a great point general keen i'm going to hold that thought for the coming week anyway general jack keen thank you ever so much folks i'm larry kudlow this is the larry kudlow show after a bunch of quick breaks we're going to talk to former texas governor and energy secretary rick perry about the energy side of our economic problems. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 